I got a call the other night from pastors, the big, the biggest pastors, evangelical Christians. They said, we have never seen our religion or any religion so electrified. They are, they say they've never seen anything like it. It's hard to believe I'm here almost three years. Can you believe how time is flying? Can you believe it? I don't know about me, but you look all much better than you did three years ago. You're wealthier. And even with the Me Too movement, we can't say this, but I'll say it anyway, you're better looking, including the men, including the men. I was investigated, okay, me, me, in my campaign, I ran, I won, I was invested. You won't say that, will you? Joining me on Off Baseline as I return from my podcasting wilderness, Dominique Remy is an independent filmmaker, host of the Culture Podcast, From the Bronx with Love, and dear friend of mine, Dominique, thanks for taking the time out of your evening. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You made the pitch with uh, Michael Brooks on the Michael Brooks Show, and, and I think Professor Richard Wolf was there. As well. yes. And, of course, can't forget David Griscom and Matt Leck, the whole crew. So now for a much smaller audience, um, so tell us a little bit about the film project you're calling Canary. And, uh, well, why, why are you calling it uh, Canary? How did you land at that title? You know, I just put it up and then through darts at a couple of titles and then it landed on Canary. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I decided to call this film Canary. Um, this project is, I think, going on three years now. I really was starting to get um, interested in reproductive justice around 2016. And reproductive justice is really, really broad. But um, mm -hmm. one of the causes that they have been galvanizing around, like the main organization, which is uh, the Sister Song organization down in Georgia, has been um, maternity mortality and morbidity. Mm -hmm. And that was something I was also interested in. And I decided to focus in this film project, the documentary pro film project about maternity mortality and morbidity um, rates in the United States. And um, so the reason why I decided to call it Canary, it's actually when I was workshopping it um, with one of the uh, researchers who's been in reproductive justice since probably the 90s, like its inception, which, you know, oh, it wow. was formalized in 1994. And nursing um, professor and researcher out in the Bay Area, Monica McLemore, she <laughs> asked me point blank. She's, I, I really like how she's very matter of fact. Um, <laughs> that hel that's helpful always. Yeah, it's very helpful for me because I am a writer and I'm quite wordy and I can be very meandering. And she asked me, right, really, right. Um, matter of factly, she said, okay, so what is your angle? Um, Cause she told me she has been working on several projects consistently gets um, media requests. And a lot of them have been because she is um, a nurse 
have been really medically based and talking about implicit bias in medicine and medical care. And I knew when I was really getting into reproductive justice and reading the introduction by uh, Loretta Ross and uh, Ricky Solinger, I recommend everyone read it. It's amazing. And it's a pretty easy read. It's not dense theory like people would assume it is. That's helpful and inviting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They did such a remarkable job in like threading history and like sociology Mm. and broader themes um, that can lead to having conditions basically (laughs) that increase the risk of um, mortality and morbidity. At the moment when I was speaking to her, I was really telling her, like, I have this project in mind, but I didn't really have so much of a language for it. And then we worked on it and I said, like, I really feel that these deaths are obviously very heartbreaking, but they really do signal something deeper. Mm -hmm. And the term canary in the coal mine, or the Mm. phrase rather, um, is how we both feel about these numbers and why it's happening in the most developed country in the Western Hemisphere. Um, Also, I think we're the richest country, and we have rates that are on par with developing countries. And I when I was speaking to her, I was like, I really feel like there's something letting us know, like the deaths, we need to work backwards from it. And these deaths serve as the canary in the coal mine. And the investigation um, with this project is to understand, find the narrative, figure out what are the factors that go into um, having so many people who give birth die. Right. So the story behind the numbers, not just uh, the cold numbers themselves and maybe making commentary on just just an observation on those specific numbers and saying, oh, they affect, you know, uh, disproportionately affect uh, uh, mothers, uh, you know, people of color, uh, black Mm -hmm. women more disproportionately. And that's the story. The 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 canary in the coal mine is the fact that this this the numbers are just sort of the tip of the iceberg as far as the overall perspective on this. Is that absolutely right? yes? Yeah. That that sets off an entire um, <laughs> you know fork in the road as far as you're um, uh, factoring in more than just um, the story. You're you're talking about hi- uh, historical context. You're talking about mm-hmm. um, socioeconomic uh, uh, context. Uh, tell me a bit more about uh, maybe the the socioeconomic and, and sociological factors that maybe have been on your mind as you're sort of putting this information together, and maybe some realizations that you've had from that. Yeah. So it's excellent that you say realizations because this is something that when I first starting to read the headlines and I do have a, um, what is it? It's like a Google tracker or I don't know. You can like set up a, it's Google alert. You so I set oh, up a Google yeah. alert for these kinds of headlines, face value, you read it. And not like I have any implicit bias, but just by <laughs> way of, of <laughs> yeah, just by way of being socialized in the United States. And, you know, I 
have grown up in a particular class and I didn't come to my own class consciousness until very, very late. There's just like this narrative that like black and brown folks are overwhelmingly in lower socioeconomic status. And that's something that I was like, oh, okay. In my mind, first initially um, reading these headlines, I'm like, well, it makes sense that, you know, black and brown mothers and families don't have access to good care because care is commodified um, and they might not have like financial resources to attend right. to that. Implicating specifically the healthcare, the, the, pri- the privatized healthcare model. Yeah. Yeah. In my own thought process, I was like, okay, so yeah, like a lot of the places when you look at the high rates, it's, um, you know, there is rural Georgia, which will be heading down to my production team and I. Um, I lived in the Bronx for a while, and I'm also going to be working within the Bronx and Brooklyn because Bronx and Brooklyn also have really high rates in the New York State area. In my initial, like, understanding, I was like, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense, poverty and the poverty of care are linked. But mm. when I heard about Serena Williams or when everyone really heard <laughs> right. about Serena Williams and then also Beyonce talked very frankly about how they had like near fatalities while giving birth, I was like, okay, so that really throws my, um, it's only poor right, mothers. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, who, <laughs> Because they are not. <laughs> they are not. And like Serena Williams, I always say, is like arguably the most fit person, woman or man or who, whatever um, um, not, identity, not gonna argue, actually. Not going to argue with that point now. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> arguably the most fit person, I think, in the United States. And for her to talk about how, you know, trying it was to give birth to her firstborn, I was like, okay, if Serena is having issues, I'm just going to hang it up, call it quit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Closed for business. Not even going to think about it. So that is when I had to do a deeper introspection hmm. in race. And I yeah. think this is something <laughs> that, especially on the left, is a huge conversation. It's like, is it race or is it class or is it a bit of both? And I think with this project, I really want to have that intersectionality. Um, I really <laughs> want to have <laughs> that. That's the buzzword. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really want to have these two things explored because mm-hmm. there is a class issue or a class divide mm-hmm. and, um, within reproductive justice, there is economic justice. That's one of the things that is part of the tenets. I also want to look at, okay, what is it about black women um, as well as brown women, um, more specifically indigenous women also suffer Mm -hmm. really, really high rates. And I wanted to understand, like, what is it that's going on? Because in my mind also, as a black woman, I know that, like, my body isn't inherently defective. You know what I mean? (laughs) And there is something that is a little, um, it's a little, it gets in there and sometimes it's a little bit more overt, but sometimes when you do read in between the lines or just actual text, there Mm -hmm. is an implication that like the reason why outside of socioeconomic factors, the reason why, you know, certain communities have 
disproportionate rates is solely because of them and their bodies and their makeup and their own health. I was like, wait a minute. Mm -mm, And their very existence, right? right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, uh, yeah, very offsetting just as a concept. Right. But like the society is not new to race science. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it, the, the ways that oppression of marginalized people has been able to be codified is through eugenics and more famously, our eugenics program was so renowned and beloved. Yes, um, world-renowned, right. (laughs) World-renowned and beloved. It made its way to Germany. So this is something that I also wanted to dig a little deeper, and that's Mm. one of the realizations. It's like, okay, it's not solely socioeconomic where even I found myself falling into this pattern that like, well, yeah, like, you know, people of certain communities are just going to be poor and just like not have better care. And Mm. I, um, in my own research is like, Oh, wait, I need to question that. Like, why are people in specific communities (laughs) with poorer care and why are people in, um, specific communities from different class backgrounds, receiving poor care. And I know it's not, um, because we have like a black gene that just, right. Yeah. (laughs) That just disadvantages us. Um, right. But this is the, this is the part of the, this is the part of the story where NPR just moves on to the next story. Right. (laughs) And that's, that's, that's kind of all they leave that, that hot, you know, hot potato right there. And then they just, (laughs) <laughs> they don't they don't address that so and then a, but a, a lot of uh, uh store you know pl- pl- people that cover this uh drop that and leave that there so this is uh quite a kind of a uh, in, if to, to my mind it's an intimidating topic because you are dealing with something that's very you know uh, the, the race science stuff um is picking up a lot of steam kind of in in, in popular culture um, uh, or at least among internet culture. I don't know if I want to say popular mm-hmm. culture, but, uh, so, um, yeah, see, yeah. I feel like, I mean, I feel like NPR and ProPublica actually did a great job at, at least in, um, when they were talking about, um, Shalom Irving, who's, um, mm. one of the stories that has been <laughs> like the first story that I like read and I was like, I need to go to therapy. Um, cause it was so sad, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I think they've been great at like giving a really human texture to mm-hmm. um, it, but I think you're right in just, like pointing out that like it, that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of you know think pieces that don't delve entirely deep. I want to say I want to shout out Linda Villarosa who wrote for um, the New York Magazine. She wrote like a 20 page spread about it, and um, she did really great, um, research and work, um, on it that really does go into like society, just like living as a black person, a brown person in society will wear you down (laughs) Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. even childbirth and reproduction. Um, um, but yeah, I think overall though, like you said, mainstream, it's like, kind of there maybe they use euphemisms mm-hmm. it's not entirely exposed or talked about in a way that we i think socially mm-hmm. <laughs> culturally should be talking about um this because 
I am coming from it from a reproductive justice lens, but it doesn't start or even stop at reproductive justice. It um, is pervasive. This is how we built this society in this country and how we're able to perpetuate, you know, the myth of American exceptionalism mm-hmm. um, and, you know, how we're able to kind of separate um, why it is like have a kind of dissonance as to like why it is groups of people just aren't succeeding. And um, we don't need to like link the legacy of slavery. We don't need to link the legacy of land dispossession. We don't need to link the legacy of now codifying race Hmm. um, with what's happening. It's really just like America happened kind right. of crappy things happen along the yeah. way and now we're here yeah. oops <laughs> and here we are and, and yeah <laughs> yeah but the, the, it really does kind of with what we've outlined and kind of the 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 point that that we reach in that discussion it really does beg the question about um uh, the intersection of all of these different things that these, all these different pieces that we observe and we notice are there, but putting them together is, um, um, you know, kind of the, the work to take it to that next level. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I'm so sad to say this, um, or embarrassed <laughs> really. Um, but everyone comes to their own education at like, you know, different times, but I just like s- discovered, um, Howard Zinn, I, would, I wouldn't say just like a year ago. And, um, in the introduction of people's history of the United States, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is a the great people, book, the people's history. Yeah. Yeah. He, I don't have the quote right offhand. Um, but he talks about, you know, the importance of history and not to have like really like have the history where we talk about really frankly mm-hmm. <laughs> about origins, yeah. um, particularly within like settler colonial societies, not to be scandalized or to, um, have a really moral, um, indictment on the society at large, but rather it's important to discuss this because history informs our present. And it's not really, you know, I, I'm going to be talking, um, with, uh, Marie Schwartz who wrote, uh, birthing a race and, you know, oh, cool. obstetrics yeah. in, uh, antebellum South. So it's not really like I am finger wagging and saying, look at you white people. <laughs> right. Right. And Howard Zinn um, does a really good job of, of, of setting that boundary for the discussion. Yeah. yeah I, think especially at this time it's super important to like do the hard work Mm -hmm. and the hard work is let's be informed (laughs) that's the first step (laughs) that is very hard (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's very hard with um how we've culturally set things up Mm, yeah (laughs) It's really hard to like just get informed. Um, anti-intellectualism did a really great job in the past 40 years. Hell of a job. Yeah. Um, so undoing all of that and doing the work and not really castigating and saying like, 
I, me, myself, independent filmmaker, am morally superior to everyone in American society. I obviously operate with American society. And there's a lot of things, like I was saying earlier, I didn't even have a class consciousness. And the reason why I have been able to enjoy many luxuries as a middle class, um, first generation mm. um daughter of immigrants is because of a lot of the things that, you know, the legacy of <laughs> right. building it, this country afforded right. us. Or like even the legacy built of on foundations that are less than desirable. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. like I am not in a position to even <laughs> you know, shine a mirror, shine a light on other people and say like, this is your doing. It's, Hey, take my hand. We're going Mm -hmm. to do this work together because at the end of the day, um, lives are at stake. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you say that you're, uh, on, on some level, not even qualified because of, uh, uh, because of all the, uh, the, the advantages that you've been able to utilize. But, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of the, you know, with the power comes responsibility kind of thing too. <laughs> right? Just, I really uh, like you know, that quote. I know we're, we're ho- some people like Howard Zinn and Spider-Man, but yeah, yeah it goes hand <laughs> in hand. We are very well-rounded, but for sure. No, it, it makes me think of, uh, um, you know, I guess some of the, one of the more alarming parts for me is, uh, you know, if you're not directly affected by some of this information, um, you know, y- you just don't hear about it at all a lot of the times, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, just as, uh, you know, from my perspective, just as a, a middle class uh, uh, white person um, in, uh, in, in areas of, of uh, you know, built on foundations where I'm not um, exposed to a lot of things. Um, I have to go seeking out these rates and, and just the very fact that it's alarming to me is, is like, uh, you know, uh, is that alarming to you that people, (laughs) you know, uh, if that makes sense is, Mm -hmm. is the alarming thing from your perspective that people from my background are even shocked about this, Mm -hmm. um, if they know about it at all. Yeah. 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 And that's um, kind of a a ridiculous question, but, uh, you know, it, It's a kind of a meta reaction question, but, um, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of in the weeds, but it's, it's where, it's where my, it's kind of one of my initial reactions. Yeah. And it, it you know, um, I do sometimes struggle with this when I find out something and then I'm like, how did no one know this? Or how did no one inform me? Right. And then I see that other people just like, don't know it. And I'm like, how do you not know? Like, how do you just not realize? Um, <laughs> yeah, you go from how did, how did I not know to how did you not know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think um, this film actually has been a great exercise mm. in um, understanding um, how hegemony works. Mm. Um, I think that is what you're kind of talking about is mm. um, I think part of the hegemonic American cultural project is to foment apathy. Um, and it's like, if it really is not happening directly within your confines, it's something that's out there. Um, and there hasn't been a real galvanizing effort, like to be (laughs) even informed in like international politics, like since world war 
two or maybe even Vietnam more recently. Um, it's just really like, I don't know, a lot of things are encapsulated within either the home or like the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're really amped up now because we have a presidential election, mm-hmm. but that's how, that's like the extent of how involved we are nationally right. as like a community. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, you know, from how we experience that within our communities is maybe the extent to which we even, uh, put some thought into that, but mm-hmm. you know, the concept of hegemony, which, you know, uh, kind of uh, dominance of, of uh, one sort of uh, perspective or social group over the entire, you know, uh, uh, narrative of, of uh, even understanding issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it's, it, it, it's, we were dealing with some pretty built-in blind spots. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And All over the place. I revealed i think this is the first time i actually revealed um my own blind spot (laughs) (laughs) um and it came more from a classist perspective um not that i am like a self-hating black person who's like (laughs) well yeah those poor blacks are just over there but more Mm -hmm. just like oh that is how i have been socialized to understand um you know, African-American culture, um, Mm. particularly as a first generation of like Caribbean (laughs) and Mm. Latinx parents. Um, there is, uh, I know like there's a joke or joke in quotes, um, in on Twitter about the diaspora wars, which I think is a thing. It's just like, you know, (laughs) Africans think they're better than Caribbeans and Caribbeans think they're better than African-Americans. And my, um, my introduction into American black culture actually has been molded through television because the neighborhood or my immediate interactions were not American black culture, but, Mm. you know, um, Haitian, Dominican, and Cuban (laughs) and immigrant culture. Um, yeah. And we're talking, if we're talking about television, we're definitely talking about a, a, a certain dominant hegemony there. Exactly. And that not to do like one-on-one comparison, like, Oh, in my mind, I just recall what I saw on television, but that is something that kind of, like you said, it's built in. It's just like something that kind of cues you into other understanding other people is media and representation. And that, um, was a blind spot for me when I was reading, you know, why so many black Latina and indigenous, um, people who give birth were, you know, suffering. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and these are, these are, these are really difficult, uh, obstacles to overcome. And so, you know, um, I want to give you some significant kudos for (laughs) taking that journey in a, in a, uh, you know, on, on such a massive level of, of trying to put all this information together. Um, (laughs) cause that, that's, that's pretty, you know, overwhelming. It, I, it is <laughs> <laughs> just, just give you some permission here to acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it really is. And I, I take it in, I really do really appreciate all the support and, um, 
all the thank yous and, you know, that people have been giving to me, giving to me and my team, really, I'm not doing this alone. I have a team and I um, am deeply grateful for all their support and the time that they put into this as well. But I have to be honest, it is when, <laughs> when I was talking to um, Monica I, and she's like, where's your angle? I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and as I go, you know, we workshopped it and I'm talking mm -hmm. to you now, like I think um, eight months later from yeah. that initial meeting with Monica, um, I have honed it down. And even still right, <laughs> in right. the distillation, it's still rather overwhelming. Um, oh, yeah. I, uh, so when I was, when I was on the Michael Brooks show and um, I was, really intimidated by the way um of and as, not to say as, that i'm not intimidated right now because right i'm I with mean, the big leagues <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah the, the michael brooks warmed you up for off baseline i know exactly <laughs> you get it <laughs> um uh professor wolf um when he said he's like i think that's a remarkable idea i think i like died <laughs> for <Right>. a minute <laughs> like, there was like a radio it. silence <laughs> on my <laughs> dr wolf gets it yeah. But when he, um, he was really great at like explaining what, like my motives. And I was like, listen, even I don't understand my motives, like understand it. I understand it, but I couldn't articulate it. Yeah. But he was saying that like what I'm doing, and this is what I really hope to do with this mm. project is yeah. to take something really broad, break it down and then build it up again. And, mm. um, that is going to take that's multidisciplinary. Um, so like I mentioned the historical context and you also talked about that as well, but like also economics, which, you know, Dr. Wolf, um, you know, lives to do, a little, yeah, lives to do <laughs> but, um, also I'm very happy that I have David Griscom, um, uh, who mm. is part of the TMBS universe, um, to help me navigate with, you know, the economic side of it. Yeah. And then I also have medical and I do have a media component. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like I when mean, you're talking about it, it's like, it is so overwhelming. Yeah. You're yeah. dipping your toes into all these different uh, professions and philosophies and and yeah and, and, yeah. Uh, disciplines. I also um, forgot to say this, and I actually meant to message this to you, but um, I remember a while ago you we had a conversation about um, the book that you were reading, Color of Law, which mm. I snapped up as well. And that is also something I'm like, how do I fit in, um, <laughs> law. <laughs> law and real estate and yeah, segregation, yeah. redlining, <laughs> like, yeah, right, redlining. Right. Um, and that was, you know, thanks to your suggestion, but like these, these are things that all work within each other <laughs> it's, to it, create these conditions. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point it gets to be dizzying and you can kind of start to maybe, uh, understand why some people, uh, by why most people, uh, haven't gone down this route <laughs> that you're mm -hmm. taking. <laughs> yeah. Um, just from the perspective of, uh, yeah, I would say you need a lot of information and you need a lot of sources. Um, and, uh, of course, self care along the way. Right. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you kind of, uh, hit towards this, but, uh, the objective, uh, outcome that you hope for the project, 
Um, you know, do you just want to make white people feel guilty, Dominique? Um, <laughs> um, implicitly, yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So awareness of racial disparity uh, for people, you know, as you've mentioned, to, to actually have a class awareness of these disparities. Yeah. Um, noticing how one begets the other, how they're interlinked. Yes. Um, but what in turn is the result of, of these awarenesses? Yeah. So um, I realize that, like you mentioned, it is a tough subject. And like even I was saying, I struggled this with this. And I also have realized that there is um, there is a certain like stronghold that like if you are mildly critical <laughs> mm-hmm. of American society mm-hmm. that is immediately met, met with defenses. And I obviously cannot have a product that is just going to be super coddling. You know what I mean? Right. Well, so that, that would be pretty, pretty useless, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So I do realize that there is just going to be a subset of <laughs> viewers who probably will hate watch it and say, I, you know, want to be like Reverend Richard White and say like death to America. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I do hope, um, is what happens is that like I said, that, you know, the information won't be comfortable. This isn't comfortable. Mm -hmm. Death isn't comfortable. Racial disparity isn't comfortable. How we become such a racially and um, economically stratified country Mm -hmm. isn't comfortable. Um, And I want that to be something that the viewers take in and sit in but not something to be an indictment. Yeah. It is, we understand how these all work with one another. How do we then, you know, come together collectively and, you know, change society? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because ultimately we do have to, on some level, come together. Obviously, not everybody is going to work with everybody Right. In, in this sort of awareness and not everyone's going to, you know, consume the same information about it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you're navigating not just, you know, white fragility or colonial fragility even mm-hmm. or class fragility, but just um, these are uncomfortable subjects. And can we have a real conversation, right. um, put all of everything on the table, everything that needs to be, um, understood, um, even if it's unsettling. Um, and I, I think we have a, um, we don't really have a, um, you know, a callus, uh, enough of a callus, you know, you need to build a callus on your fingers to play the guitar. I'm um, mm-hmm. just using my own example. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And we don't have enough of a, a callus for uh, navigating difficult subjects, uh, sometimes without uh, feeling indicted, pers- yeah. personally indicted. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like, so this is funny because, you know, I um, sometimes find myself around 
you know, a decent amount of boomers. Um, don't ask me how. Okay? It happens. It, it happens. just happens. You know, you can't we? <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not easy quite to avoid avoid exactly. all boomers. Um, exactly. Yeah. So then you know, and sometimes I don't. I really don't understand why I do get this conversation or this question, but it's just like, why do millennials feel really entitled? And then they answer it for me. And they're like, well, when you think you're the best and you've been told you're the best. And I'm like that I'm an immigrant, like I'm an immigrant's daughter. I, (laughs) I was told to work for an Mm -hmm. A plus when Mm -hmm. I got an A, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have that same experience that you're projecting onto me, but that's another episode. I'll call in for that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. Sounds Um, good. I'll create a call in opportunity for that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, a therapy session and growing up as a, yeah, no, that's what I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, I think though it's when I think of it, think of it of a, like in a larger scale, it's like, well, when you're told you're the best country and you grew so rapidly because of, um, primitive accumulation of capital through, by way of slavery and land dispossession, and you're consistently performing on a world stage as quote unquote, the best. Hmm. And a lot of, you know, cultural markers are set by your own standards and you know a lot of wars have been fought in the name of nation building because we're the best we're the exemplar democracy so when culturally i think cognitively am i saying it right am i using the right word like the cultural consciousness Uh, consciousness yeah 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 Yeah, cognitively too would work and how you used it but yeah okay awesome (laughs) (laughs) thank you we're learning and talking. <laughs> I feel like the word cognitive is like, I, 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 I have like, uh, I have, I have enough familiarity to try to identify where I can use. And it's basically just at, wherever, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wherever your thoughts are, that's where cognitive yeah. applies. Yeah. So I think when the cultural or like the national consciousness, like we're the best mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you hear maybe like, mm, probably not in this area. Yeah. then that's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 there's some ego and there's some identity in that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I want to be as, you know, respectful and honest and truthful to, you know, the content and I have an amazing array of, um, talking heads, um, who have agreed to be part of this project and, you know, they are highly credentialed and, you know, have written extensively on their areas of expertise. And I really want to provide that. Like, so I really want to provide information. Like I really just, I want to be an educator in this aspect of the film, but I also, um, have been in talks with, um, several people who I would like to follow as subjects. Um, and the three areas that, you know, have come up in my research, um, and that have been really something that has piqued my interest in terms of narrative have been birth work, which is like midwifery and, um, Mm. people who serve as doulas, Mm. people who are actually, you know, (laughs) incubating 
children. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also um, reproductive justice act- activists. So mm-hmm. in addition to having um, interviews that like will give you context, I also want to follow people who, like you and I, we live within the system, but people who are really doing the work um, either as a doula, midwife, or an activist, or, you know, just people who are pregnant and (laughs) have to live in the society. So that is going to be um, cut in between all of the interviews. So that is like how the film is uh, shaping up. Um, And that adds richness to the to the uh, following along with the larger, the 30,000 foot perspective, right? I mean, it makes exactly. it real. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think earlier before, like I was saying, I, I meandered, but I think you did ask me um, kind of like, I guess, solutions or like what. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind to... of objective outcomes, you know, what, yes. what are the awarenesses and, uh, that might that you hope to come out of that, and what do, what do you hope those awarenesses lead to? Yeah, so I uh, um, one thing that personally has been <laughs> grinding my gears <laughs> is the fact that we do not have <laughs> family leave. We don't have paternal leave or like maternal leave. Like as a country, it's yeah. like really left up to. Um, the goodwill of your employer. Yeah. The mercy. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really violent. Um, (laughs) to be honest, that's not, that's, that's, uh, that's, it's a very threatening, uh, uh, prospect. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, um, mortalities and like complications happen in like the six weeks after, Mm -hmm. Um, three to six weeks after giving birth, like, um, uh, uh, I believe it was like four days after Beyonce gave birth and then she was still having complications. Like, it's not always like, you know, the child pops out and boom, you're dead. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or like you're having a stroke or you're hemorrhaging. It's not always as that instant. people, yeah, it's not instant. Um, and that is something I really want to make it known is that it takes so much to have a child. You are a father. You, you know this. <laughs> Whether or not, like, it, like we talk heavily about, um, you know, the racial disparities, mm-hmm. but it is traumatic on every single body white, black, indigenous, mm-hmm. Asian. Um, it's just the certain, the material conditions happen to affect certain demographics more, which makes the trauma even more heightened. Yeah. Um, so I really don't want it out there as well. They're like, I don't care about white women. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And just, to, just, uh, if, if I may just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you, you did reference, I mean, I mean, I remember, uh, just when my son was born and he had complications, um, mm-hmm. uh, he had his, uh, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck as he came out and he wasn't crying and, or breathing. And so they mm-hmm. had to rush him off and everything. And, and, um, so after the initial rush sort of uh, died down a little bit and they have them, you know, it's kind of connected to all these things that help them breathe. I'm, I'm starting to have 
uh, realizations and thoughts about, uh, you know, how much time off can I afford to take in this job? Because I was fairly new in, in my job at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was nothing kind of built in. I had to actually take, because he wound up being in the hospital for over over a week. Um, and mm-hmm. I had to, you know, I had in my mind, I would take a certain amount of days off to uh, just be at home and acclimate, you know, to fatherhood and, and the fam, you know, being a family together and everything. But we actually had to, I had to take extra days of unpaid time off, um, just to be, stay in the hospital the whole time until they, you know, could discharge him. Um, so the absence of any kind of paid, uh, family leave, whether it's maternal or paternal is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's a, that's a class issue that, uh, transcends, uh, race in a lot of ways and, 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 mm-hmm. and, you know, it also implicates it in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is one of the things that I'm, you know, I'm hoping is a realization, like you say, um, <laughs> that, you know, one of the more immediate things that we could do as a nation <laughs> is fight for family leave. Yeah. Um, and it's incredibly basic. It is like, it, it, to it me, exists that, elsewhere. <laughs> it exists elsewhere. There is precedent. And it's right. like kind of nonsensical that like we've commodified so many things that mm. should just be, you know, no brainer for like, just, it, it, it doesn't need to be commodified. You right. know what I mean? Um, and when you say it implicates um, race and class in certain ways, like there are, again, um, black and brown mothers who are probably, um, single or struggling, um, you know, and don't work at like jobs that, you mm-hmm. know, that's probably even hourly. So like right. they don't even provide any kind of like safeguards or like any kind of insurance or whatsoever. Uh, or um, you get fired and, if yeah, you're not there. Exactly. So like, what if you had complications and you've already just like you set it out that you were being able to be covered for a week and you needed another week. Now you feel really compelled Mm -hmm. to then go back to work because one, you have a newborn and you cannot afford to be fired. Um, so these are things that, um, I want to be like, it's not even going to be implicit. I want that to be extremely explicit. That explicit, is, yeah. yeah, extremely explicit that there are ways to like in the immediate assist with, um, reducing rates of death and complications. Um, and I also mentioned, um, birth work like doulas and midwives. Um, and I know that gets a little like some people, I mean, a little bit more now people have been, you know, more open to it, Mm -hmm. but I know that like in the past 10 years, it's been like, Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) You don't trust Western medicine. What's Um, wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I want to show that like in conjunction to like going to the hospital, it's really important to have someone who's on your team and who is knowledgeable because you're not going to have an on-call doctor. Like your doctor will be on call when it's time to deliver, mm-hmm. but you're not going to have someone who's as knowledgeable about the birthing process with you right. in a like 
doctor capacity or even nurse capacity along through the journey. And that's kind of where doulas and midwives come in. And they, especially doulas who are like advocates for you and can go with you to your, um, your screenings. And, oh my God, I'm sounding like a single childless person what is it called? <laughs> <laughs> it's not screenings i know appointments there we right. go <laughs> well i mean yeah it, it, we it, it, you're in the correct category so yeah. i mean honestly i can't even speak that much accurately to it either but uh it was all a blur <laughs> but, to me yeah but you do have someone there with you mm-hmm. um and particularly that's... if you don't even have a partner or like you're you're about to give birth in a multi-generational um situation where right. it's like your mother or like your family and your grandmother who's going to be helping you raise a child so um you have someone who's with you um throughout the entire process yeah yeah, yeah. and i even just think uh and that that's so crucial to to have because you know and, and there's there's levels of fortune that come with you know even having uh both parents present for example or um you know like you said i had the opportunity to plan to take a week off um that's not something that's widely available but with all of these distractions and if there's complications you might be forgetting things like um there was an error with uh you know this is more uh uh more personalizing from me but there's there was more uh uh there was um health insurance issues that uh i um did not have really the the awareness and capacity to resolve that led to the very possibility of uh, a forty thousand dollar bill at the end of everything after all the complications um and uh various levels of, of basically lucking out, um, uh, prevented me from going medically, you know, bankrupt from a medical bill from that. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so many different areas that, uh, that can affect this process. And and that's why this, this whole undertaking of, of understanding this and talking about it and understanding that certain issues like healthcare policy, like, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, medical or family leave policy. Th- these yes. are all, these are all directly interrelated. Yeah. And, um, I would also, so I, <laughs> I printed out, this is like, I'm going to give you like a behind the scenes, like real book. <laughs> what oh, it is like yeah. to be <laughs> an independent filmmaker, but I <laughs> printed out the entire, um, uh, universal healthcare Medicare for all, for all bill um, by and, Bernie and Sanders. We are, we are going to read it uh, straight through for the rest of the podcast. Yes, <laughs> but um, yeah. So part of my research is going through that because you know there is a medical component. I didn't really talk to so much about um, implicit bias because mm-hmm. um, there's just so much. Because there's too many biases. <laughs> too many biases, but I do think. Um, you know, when we talk about family, like I, I really want to hammer, hammer home the message that it's structural, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it takes undoing it and replacing the structure <laughs> with something universal. Um, and that would be less of a burden on the individual. Right. But 
within the structure, like, you know, to be like, we live in a society who makes up the society. It is us. And I think it's like very from the ground up, we need to demand things like family leave. And I personally, um, I know that New York has, um, the New York city, um, health department does have, um, free doula services as well Mm, as like free nursing aftercare and i'm like why is that only for (laughs) one part of the city (laughs) it needs to be expansive that should be something that should be explored as part of like a universal program as part of a universal medical health care program you know no that's pretty special you know in the context of uh, all the other uh, you know, resources that are available in different cities. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome that New York has that, but also, um, you know, as you get acclimate to that reality, then horrifying that other communities don't. Yeah. And, you know, decommodifying medicine in general, you know, you're telling me about a $40,000 bill and my, my mind is like, oh my God, that's a student loan. Like your, your child is <laughs> right. that, that would literally have doubled having, my student loan debt. Yeah. <laughs> your child already has like a student loan debt amount. Right. Just head. built in. Right. Yeah. And, you know, things like that, like that. Yeah, <laughs> one yeah. of the things that I really hope to convey is that like it's not doom and gloom. I know we talk mm. about deaths and we talk about the numbers and we talk about the racial disparities and like you know I even me myself I'm looking at um, these numbers and I'm looking at the women and I'm looking at my face and I'm like I am these women um, and I am of childbearing age. Mm. Um, so I, even myself, I'm like, I see these and I am a little panicky. Uh, thank God for therapy. But also, <laughs> yes. it yes. really isn't doom and gloom. Like, we have so much power <laughs> to mm. undo, you mm. know, the sins of our past. Yeah, yeah. And that's that gets to the, the hopeful message, you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 the broader, the, the forward-looking perspective in all of this. It's not, mm-hmm. and, and kind of the, the Howard Zinn perspective, like we're yeah. not doing this to uh, drag us down, but to equip us to, you know, solve problems. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, so uh, before we can continue, um, I'd, I'd love to, where can people learn about this project and, and how can people support it? Yeah. So I am in the process of, you know, getting a domain and everything like yeah. a place where I can house everything. Um, and I have my research assistants and a couple of writers on board to, um, have actual written pieces and smaller projects that's tied into the film because like we're just talking, there's just so much and I really don't want anything to, um, to fall by the wayside, to be honest. Um, and it will tie into the film and I want it to not just be like a standalone film. I want it to be a conversation. I really want it to be something that is going to be galvanizing people and moving people in the right direction. Um, because, you know, we have experts and we have studies and things like that, you know, where we want to really share that. And, you know, there's been studies in smaller scales that have, um, been you know shown to like 
there's ways to improve the outcome of this. And, you know, uh, even though it is on a smaller scale, listen, we had the Moynihan report, you know, mm. which is very flawed. Mm. Yeah, no, we can <laughs> dictate, be honest about what we have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dictate 25 years of policy. So a small scale study about like, you know, birth work in Louisiana is absolutely going to hold up in my, in my perspective. But, um, yeah, so I'm in the works of doing that, but you can absolutely follow me, um, on Twitter at Canary Filmmaker. Um, and, uh, we are right now looking for seed funding. Um, we've gathered a really good amount, you know, within like the first two weeks, which is so amazing. And it like was so encouraging. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is, a bit steep 25,000 yeah. is pretty bare bones when you think of it in terms of production but yeah well so <laughs> so michael the... michael brooks brought this up when you when he had you on of uh of of making the point 25 mm-hmm. grand uh seems like you know we're talking about all these large sums of money but uh, in the world of filmmaking that's a pretty modest uh estimate um mm-hmm. while at the same time you're trying to do things like uh pay everyone involved working with the the project fairly right um, yeah you know, <laughs> doing all this research about... for class consciousness without paying the people <laughs> yeah. doing the research i was just gonna say that i was like i cannot talk about economic exploitation and then in turn exploit my own group. via economic exploitation right <laughs> exactly um yeah there's um, a great deal of travel that will be happening mm-hmm. because this is the rates in the united states and um, although I am based in New York, um, Georgia is like the epicenter of um, a lot of the um, activist movement and work. And also Georgia has um, among the highest rates and it also passed really draconian abortion laws and mm. they're not to be separated um, that you'll find out in the film. Yeah, um, there's a teaser. <laughs> yeah, and we also are in talks with the uh, Cherokee Nation to also oh, cool. fly out there. So, yeah, there's like a lot of moving parts, um, but the best way to support the film right now is to check out my GoFundMe, which I am constantly tweeting out. Um, it's in my link in the bio and I know Nate will take care of me and put it yeah, in. <laughs> there, there will be links in the, in the show notes. Definitely. Yes. Um, I, I know it's uh, gofundme.com slash F slash maternal dash mortality dash documentary dash film dash fund. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there will be links so you can find that. So you, you, if you didn't memorize that and, and, uh, you know, how, how dare you not memorize that? Exactly. Um, yeah, well, so at Canary Filmmaker. Yes. And so that's how you find uh, Dominique on Twitter too. And, 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 you know, you've got links in your bio for, um, for, uh, for the film and, uh, for your, for your podcast from the Bronx with love. Absolutely. Yes. Um, we did take a bit of a hiatus cause I'm working well, that, on a film, but we will be coming back. And I do talk about the film a little bit more cool. um, on the podcast. Yeah, we're not going to judge uh, around these parts about taking hiatuses from your podcast. That's true. Be, <laughs> uh, extremely, uh, uh, you know, there's that's a double-edged sword. Right. Um, but, yeah, so I want to be respectful of your time and just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of one last sort of question here. And um, I know... Uh, your time zone is an hour ahead of mine. So you're probably, um, you know, 
exhausted from this very exhausting conversation <laughs> about an exhausting uh, topic. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's pretty, you know, there's energy in it, too. It's, it's very, very energy, energizing to, um, to acquire some of this knowledge, too. So um, mm-hmm. I would encourage everyone to go check that out. Uh, but just uh, real quick, what are, what are some ways that you're, that you're, I mean, we're under constant assault, obviously, of uh, the news and subsequent uh, existential dread and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so wh- what are some ways that you're dealing with everything? How do you decompress after not even the daily stuff, but even some of the research you do as well? Yeah. So, um, I mentioned a couple of times that I am in therapy, which has um, been incredibly helpful. I also have an like, amazing group of friends who just like, mm-hmm. let me just like, whatever the time is, I'm just like, I am going crazy. Let yeah. me tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really great to <laughs> have friends who are it's here. To, yeah. Um, to just listen to me vent. I have actually recently been taking up journaling and I will say I don't like it. <laughs> and the reason why I don't like it yeah. is because I know it's very uncomfortable for me to write so yeah. intimately. Um, I'm more of a person, you know, even in <laughs> being an independent filmmaker, um, I like to tell other people's stories. <laughs> right, right. The audience is yeah. a big factor. Yeah. And I hate writing very honestly about how Mm. I feel and it turns into like just me complaining (laughs) on page. I mean, Um, and it's hard, it's hard to, to, to write, uh, to be fully honest in your writing. I mean, I, I talk with uh, clients in therapy all the time and and journaling can be a really helpful tool, but not everyone can do it. Yeah. It was great though. I slept really well after I journaled. So I think there is merit to it. There you go. go. Uh, Some Um, uh, uh, objective scientific fact. Yes. (laughs) So I, um, yeah, I have been expressing a lot, letting a lot out um, and really sleeping a lot. Um, Sleep is also important. (laughs) Sleep is very important. And I want to say I've been sleeping a lot more because I've been cutting down on my caffeine. Um, I am someone who is incredibly anxious. And I think with this project, Mm -hmm. it kind of um, heightens anxiety. Um, And I did find that my body was having adverse reactions to caffeine. So I've been cutting out caffeine and just like sleeping and napping and (laughs) really luxuriating and rest. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, taking care of yourself. You're, you're doing a wonderful job, Dominique, of outlining basically a lot of the prescriptive portion of sort of uh, the from the therapeutic perspective of like what I might recommend people do initially to take care of themselves, you know, build a support system, uh, you know, journal or express yourself in some way, uh, mm-hmm. do, do things like sleep, you know, reducing your caffeine intake, mm-hmm. um, all of those things uh, have a substantial impact on your on your mental health. So that's that's huge. And I I mean you're you're spot on with a lot of that. Thank you so much. Yeah, your, um, your coping is 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 phenomenal. That's awesome to hear because sometimes in the moment when I do feel like I'm spiraling, I'm like I'm such a mess. Right. I'm just such a mess, and right. um, it's very hard for me to like compliment myself or like oh, yeah. at least like acknowledge that I'm actually in the right direction. It, particularly when I feel like I'm not in the right direction. And I know this is something also I struggle with is like, if I'm not 
always even keeled and I lose my shit for Mm. whatever reason, then I'm like, I failed. And that's not true. I'm just being human. And it doesn't take into account the larger ways in which I am coping and doing like doing right by myself. Right. I mean, it's, it's in, in the space that, especially that you're occupying, uh, with all the work you're doing. Um, and sometimes just for a lot of people, it's, it's hard to make the distinction that, um, it's not necessarily, you know, you said I'm a mess. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that, uh, you're specifically a mess in so much as society is a mess (laughs) and and awareness of that is overwhelming and very normal to be overwhelmed by that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's why, that's why that's what motivates us to, uh, aspire towards change. Yeah. Um, and all avenues. So awesome. Well, I, that was awesome. I appreciate you, your, you know, your, your candidness and everything. I, uh, um, and appreciate the work that you're doing too. I know it's a hugely important work and, um, it's going to, uh, be, have a pretty substantial impact. I think, um, you know, maybe even ways that you're not, um, that are hard to be aware of right now. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, thanks so much for doing that. And, and thanks so much for coming on to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, everyone check out, uh, for one, uh, again, from the Bronx with Love, uh, which is Dominique's podcast. Um, I believe it's at, and then F-T-B-W-L, is that right? Yes, yeah. Oh my cool. gosh, You're, you really did your homework. Um, well, <laughs> I, I tried to take notes, uh, a, a handful of notes. And then, uh, yeah, and then check out at Canary Filmmaker, and then she'll have a link to her GoFundMe page. Um, do give what you can, if you can, because this is extraordinarily important work that that, uh, that Dominique's doing. So Dominique, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Have a great night. All right. You too. Bye. seen our religion or any religion so electrified they are they say they've never seen anything like it